In this episode, we're chatting about what wild schooling and unschooling, or wild schooling, looks like for our families as part of an exciting upcoming project. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in, and join us on this next adventure. Before we start, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Kabi Kabi and the Gubby Gubby people. We honour their song lines and storylines and pay our respects to the elders past, present and those emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which you are listening to this episode. Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. We're your hosts, Nikki Farrell and Vicky Oliver. Before we start, we'd love to invite you to hit the subscribe button on your podcast player right now because more downloads means our podcast gets into more ears and that means just getting more kids outside. So this episode idea has come about because we've been invited to submit a book chapter for a new text on wild schooling, unschooling and road schooling. We can't give away too much more now, but suffice to say that when we were doing research for this book chapter, we found a lot of info we thought that some of you might like to hear too. So here we are chatting about our forest schooling, wild schooling and unschooling or wild's unschooling journey. It's been a while. We sat down together before. I'm like, gosh, it's been a while since we've done that one together. It's it has nice. been. It is really nice. How are you? I'm really good. <laughs> We're really busy. <laughs> we've seen each other every day this week, which doesn't tend to happen. And no, it's nice. It is. I feel like I've seen more of your family than my own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's also nine o'clock at night. So um, it's been a big day today. <laughs> it has been, but all good things, all good things. They are. So the way this is going to work for this podcast today is essentially there we've been given a bunch of questions to try and answer for this uh, book chapter. So we just thought we would go through and answer a bunch of them just so you get a snippet and a bit of an idea of, of what to look forward into this surprise book that will be published hopefully next year. It's not our book. We've just been invited to submit a chapter in it, but we hope you enjoy listening to our journey. Yeah. So we're going to start by um, sort of posing a question to each other Mm. and um, giving you our response and our life experience and and the way that our life and work and wild schooling and unschooling works for our families, which although we live quite parallel lives, they are still quite different. So it's not. it'll be nice to hear how, you know, our own versions of answering a lot of these questions. Mm. So we thought we'd start with defining a few words or terms and philosophies that we use and follow. So to start with, can you try and describe or talk about what wild schooling is? So wild schooling is actually a term that was coined by Nicolette Sauder and the way she describes it is that it's a way to continue to take inspiration from a wide range of sources. So there's a few of them, things like forest schooling, Reggio Emilio approach, earth schooling, Waldorf, Charlotte Mason, permaculture, peaceful parenting, the idea of de-schooling, unschooling, the eight shields model, Indigenous knowledge and traditions, and most importantly, time spent communing with Mother Nature herself. It's 
a beautiful, I think we were doing it without realising that it had a name for mm. a couple of years. So, we've, you know, we found the forest school approach and but even prior to that we were both living very outdoorsy lifestyles and one of the reasons neither of us, well, one of the many reasons neither of us chose to go down the daycare route was that we wanted more outdoor time and more nature time for our children. So, yeah, without even realising that's what we were looking for, that's what we found and created ourselves. Yeah, and I think we identify with so many different philosophies and pedagogies that we have always taken bits and pieces, the best bits and pieces, the parts that we resonate with, that we know that our children uh, resonate with and, and that they love, and we've put them all together, which is exactly what wild schooling is it's it's sort of taking inspiration from the best bits of everything but the 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 classroom is nature or like that's a a massive focus that's where a lot of what we do takes place it's it's the the third teacher yeah yeah Yeah, it's so place-based and Mm. I, I don't I think that's almost like exactly like you said nature is the classroom but the classroom depends on on where you live so that's where you take your inspiration from yeah, especially when our classroom is so varied, we're really blessed to live in a place where we have oceans and lakes and rivers and mountains and rainforests and waterfalls, and we have such a diverse range of natural environments that we're always learning more. We're always going out, and you know, our space is—it's so unique and varied, and we learn something different and we can see the same space over the seasons but we can also see different spaces over the seasons as well so obviously because we are a forest school (laughs) uh wild schooling is is a big part of what we do and one of the the biggest parts of that is forest school so nikki do you want to again maybe describe what that is yeah there's a couple of i guess favorite quotes that i love that summarize what it is so there's one by Worrell that he states, regular outdoor nature-based learning that focuses on the holistic development of the child. And I think I really love that because there's not many philosophies that openly state that they're focusing on that holistic development. Mm. I, I just really love that because it is, that's exactly what happens incidentally anyway. Uh, Forest School is child-led free play that takes place in a natural environment for regular, that's the big word there, mm. regular uninterrupted periods of time. That's from Elliot and Chancellor. It occurs in all weather with readily available risky play opportunities and that's a huge part of Forest School, particularly for us, is those risky play opportunities and the all weather. Um, and like you were, exactly like you were mentioning before, they experience seasonal changes, they direct their own play experiences, they engage in hands-on learning with natural elements, they connect with nature and learn to t- safely take risks. And that's from Elliot and Chancellor, the Forest School Association and a few others as well. I think the important thing for me in in Australia and in what we do and how we have interpreted forest school is the risky play. It's not just nature play, mm. uh, that we do encourage adventurous risk-taking and that is a, a really huge part of allowing children to build confidence and resilience and all of those really important life skills that children need Mm. and without that risky play opportunity uh, and just you know skirting around nature play which we love absolutely adore Mm. it's just taking it to that next level yeah so I think 
to put that into a day-to-day context or a real-life scenario, what that looks like at Wildlings, at our forest school, is that we simply provide the time, the space and the resources for children or and our village as well because parents are a huge part of, uh, of our forest school to play in nature with friends. And it really is that simple, I think. Mm. That's so simple and so complex and so beautiful and so wholesome and so holistic. The next question we had was, how do you unschool, wild school, or forest school your own kids, Vic? And what and how are your kids learning through okay. that? So we do have a rhythm at the moment that was working really well for our family. Uh, in terms of what my children are learning, I guess my answer to that is only my children will be able to answer that question. <laughs> uh, I truly believe that no one actually knows what anyone is learning at any one time and that information yeah, yeah. can change. So uh, in terms of how, like what sort of activities that we do and how I know that they're learning is because we participate in lots of different things. They are exposed to different people, different types of activities. And some of those are, that firstly includes going to our homeschool for a school group. So they'll do that uh, actually while I get to do some work in the office. <laughs> uh, they've just started a hip-hop class. Then we do a co-op with a an amazing group of children from the ages of three through to 12. And then they also on a, on a, another day, they go to another amazing friend's place, their property, and they do a combination of Montessori and permaculture learning, which they adore. We also have like an adventure day that we go out on. And in between that, we are picking up on things that they find interesting in things that they have overheard from somewhere or some information that they might have picked up in a book and we just build on that learning that growing the understanding um, around those topics they do a lot of reading we listen to audiobooks um, I mean I could go on forever about how we do this we spend a lot of time outdoors so all throughout the day whether that's you know first thing in the morning taking the dogs for a walk down the beach or going and meeting friends in the forest or meeting them in any one of our, we can't fit them all in. That's how much we're out and about. Yeah. But um, <laughs> Never at home school. We're never at home school. Like, I, I don't know the last time I was at home for a full day. Mm. Um, by choice, by choice because we we don't always, like we do, we do need downtime. But, um, yeah, just because life is, there's so much to do and so much to and for me to learn, like I don't think I think that's important to realize too, is that I'm I feel like I'm continuously learning. Mm, so if I know really I'm learning by being and doing all of these things, and sure as hell my kids are learning as well. But aren't you going to be assessed on your pottery class that you've joined? I bloody hope not, because I'm not <laughs> doing it for anyone but myself. For enjoyment and because you want to learn a new skill. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's another thing too. Is is uh, my children seeing not just me but you and the other people in their lives continuing their learning journey. So mm. for me, it's starting a pottery class. For you, it's watching they know you go to art classes um, and a, a myriad of other things or projects that they get into, like watching Scotty with his bees or, <laughs> you know, watching their dad out there building something or um, taking interest in he, he's doing courses and things like that as well. So they're watching the people around them constantly on their own learning journey. And knowing mm. that we are all on a quest 
to know and learn and immerse ourselves in our world. That doesn't end when you turn 18. That's right. So how about you tell us a little bit about how you guys do it? Well, it's almost snap. It's almost the same, (laughs) but not quite. So Mm. we, you know, essentially... We do hip, we've just literally started hip hop today. Um, uh, my eldest wants to start Aikido, which starts next week, he, which is he's done a form of martial arts previously, but he wants to try one closer to home. We're back doing a summer soccer. We do forest school with our business Wildlings. And just a side note there, they've been coming, both of our sets of kids have been coming since they were two and four, and they still choose to come. And they don't need to. We don't force them. It's not something we'll ever force. So I think that's a testament that the free, the self-directed nature of what we offer allows them that freedom to choose and to be with their friends and still enjoyable for them even after all that time. And I just want to jump in there because my Mm. girls didn't go to forest school for a period of time and when they eventually went back, which was probably the first time since I was actually running it whilst they were coming with me and they Mm. loved it because we have the most amazing facilitators the most Mm. amazing mentors for our kids and they love it so much that they get upset if they miss it and 100% never said that they had to go like you say Mm. Um, but they choose to go because it's such a worthwhile thing for them to be involved in. And the families, you know, that's their village Mm. now. They know when they go there that they're going to know 99% of the the children turning up to. So it's it's a security net in in the most Mm. beautiful way. Um, we also go to Free to Learn, the co-op that we do as well, which is a full day. But outside of this, we have a group of unschooling mums who essentially are just our friends who meet for an adventure Monday and we go chasing waterfalls or rock pools or camping or the beach or hikes. And honestly, we do it for ourselves and the kids just come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We choose the locations based on where we want to go. Exactly. And then we don't see them and then we go home. So. Yeah. And on Tuesdays, they hang out with dad, which usually involves a beach trip or a BMX track or a bike ride, or it might just be a home day and a quiet day, drawing or reading or, you know, playing, jumping on the trampoline. There's a lot of drawing and Lego at the moment in our house. Mm. And on Fridays, thank all the things we generally, not that we have in weeks actually, have a home day. So we try not to book organised activities on Mondays or Fridays because it leaves us nice and open for long weekends away or camping yeah. trips but that doesn't always happen but for the last couple of terms it's been really nice to have a long weekend to recover from a, a busy week which might sound hilarious from people that do a five-day school week but <laughs> <laughs> three days yeah. is a lot <laughs> yeah but when you slow down um mm. being busy or feeling like your life is full it, it is different um and intentional and our life's by design That makes me want to skip forward to the next question, which is, can you give us a typical day in the life description? Because I think you just, you just nailed that. It's that five days a week wasn't working for me personally, Mm. when I had two young children and a husband at uni and starting his own business, it was a lot and I was stressed and I wasn't enjoying my life. And so we made some changes and yeah. now I don't set an alarm. I have such a hatred of my alarm <laughs> clock. And yeah. I'm finally getting that great karma back of not having to set an alarm. Oh, Yeah, I love the fact that I can jump on a bandwagon and ride it out until I don't want to do it anymore mm. and then I can just do whatever I like. Like mm-hmm. to elaborate on that is that I might go through a phase where I wake up every morning and I journal 
and I have, you know, a routine and I'll do a gratitude journal and maybe some breathing or I'll, you know, take the dog's first thing for a walk. And then all of a sudden I don't want to do that anymore Mm. and I don't have to and I'm not bound to anything and I can try something new. I can hear about something and think, well, I'm going to give that a go for a few weeks. Uh, And I'm not, I don't have to be anywhere. We don't have to be, I mean, we do. We do, um, but not before, not in school traffic time. No. And that is worth everything. <laughs> For a and girl that grew up in the country, not hitting peak hour, oh, it's amazing. And, like, the things that I am going to is to your place, which is where our office is, mm. and it's like I get the best of both worlds because I get to go to your house, which is on beautiful property, so I feel like it's my second home. No. And... I get to sit with my best friend and your family, no. which is like you're all my best friends. So it's it's just like hanging out with your mates and getting some productive work done and feeling purposeful. Mm. So I, I've never done that going to work before. Like it's hard to call. It's not a call at work, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like a job I've ever had before. Same, same. And so that's that. There is no typical day because every day is different. It's do we feel like doing walking the dog in the morning or the afternoon or not at all. Like mm. there's no have to do anything. Yeah. Oh, I might tip my garden upside down for the next two days because I can and I'll just not yeah. turn up to something or I'll just make some tweaks and get some things done. Or when when our mate goes, hey, let's go to Lennox for a camping yeah. trip for two nights, just mums and kids, and we go, yeah, righto, chuck the swags in and, a, and an esky or not even, let's just eat yeah. out. We're not cooking. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just chuck some sausages on and eat a cheese platter. That's what we do. So good. As far as our kids go, I would say it's the same. They get up when they feel like it. They, If they need to sleep in because they've had a late night, they can. Um, the early risers get up early if they want to and they just they go about their day. They get ready if they need to get ready. They go to the activities that they've chosen they come home and they choose the activities they do when they get home. We do the normal things every family does. We go to birthday yeah. parties and weekend sport if that's what they've chosen and that's it. Yeah, and they, they're not, and I, I want to also reiterate that we're not talking about being lazy. Um, no. Like when we say they get up when they want to, they'll get up if they have to, if they're going to an activity that oh, yeah. they're not going to just, you know, I don't want to go today, I'm going to sleep in, that's not what happens um we we talk and discuss about responsibilities and what needs to happen in order for us to achieve what we want to achieve in the day and we do it that way and if it's a day where we don't need to have we don't have any obligations on then it's not like we get up just because we should Mm. or uh, you know it's good to be in in a rhythm or routine um if the rhythm and routine works then yeah that's what happens but it's not something we have to do Yeah, I think it's a good reminder that kids are humans too and sometimes Mm. they wake up on the wrong side of the bed or sometimes they're just having an off day and they might need a quiet day or quiet time and it's just easier to organise that the way that Mm. we're doing it, I think. All right. So do you want to describe how do we do school while working? (laughs) Well, we don't. That's that's how. Mm. We don't have sit-down lessons. We we unschool and we wild school. So we don't do formal lessons. That's not to say that the children, the children, so formal, our Mm. kids don't choose to do a workbook if they see one at the post office and want to buy one or that they don't do reading eggs because they enjoy it. But 
it's not like at nine o'clock we sit down and we do maths lessons right now. Mm. So all that means is that our children are now old enough to entertain themselves and that's to us, for me anyway, is how I think they should be, you know, life is for enjoying and life is, it's their life, it's not my life, it's not up to me to choose what they should, what I think they should be doing because they're their own sovereign being and Mm. they think differently to me and they have different interests to me and I don't think that I should dictate that if I don't need to. Um, Again, like you said, that's not to say that they're wild and crazy ill-mannered louts. We still have, we still parent. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And I think it comes down to it's. we've spent a lot of time examining the conditioning and the the way that we are we have been brought up to believe education and learning should look should look like mm. especially because we come from teaching backgrounds we've had to examine exactly what it is we were teaching mm. and then ask ourselves is that essential to live a happy, successful life and for your children to thrive. Yeah, and to be active citizens and, you know, Mm. good community members. I don't like the word good and bad, but, you know, active community members as well because that's a factor in happiness and that's a a factor in, I think, creating a better world. So, you know, yes, we are still imparting, I guess, our moral codes on our children so that, you know, they're not completely sovereign beings because they're still we're still role modeling things and and talking to them about things that we, our own values that we believe are important. But um, I think that's all I wanted to get across there is that we don't leave them on their own, like Lord of the Flies. They're still being guided where we think they may require some guidance or if they ask for guidance. And I'd actually probably say that they get more guidance in areas that really are important. So whilst I may not sit down and do lessons on maths, English, science, although I will caveat that and say they learn plenty of that through everything that we do, Mm. make no mistake about that, Uh, what children don't often get, really good lessons, and lessons isn't the right word, modelling and emotional support through Mm. is how to be good social citizens like you were saying Mm, how to how to be a good friend how to navigate tricky social situations Mm. how to respond when things aren't going our way how to have uncomfortable conversations yeah and we do that probably a lot more because we are so much more involved as a community together Mm. so when we talk about our children sort of looking after themselves and, and they run off and they we're still there yeah. <laughs> We're still around. We are, we, you know, if something happens, it, there's, it's not like they, there is always an adult to turn to. And I know children have that in school too, but it's different because they won't often know the teacher who's on, on duty in There's also a level of authoritarianism that isn't as visible in the homeschooling and unschooling community. I think there's much more of a a parent is a member of your village in Mm -hmm. in the unschooling and homeschooling communities, whereas an adult in a school is in a very much in a position of authority. Bingo. Mm. Yeah. That's why we don't do school while we're working. Yeah. Because that's not what we value. We, it's not, that's not how we purposely want to spend our time. We don't feel like that's not the only way children learn, I guess, at the mm. end of the day. 
And I, I think if if what they're asking is for, a, you know, what does it look like exactly? It looks like for my family, it looks like on Monday I work and my husband parents. On Tuesday we swap over and he parents. And on Wednesday we share care and the kids are at home and they have a bit of a quiet morning and then they go to forest school and they get dropped off and we both have our free time. On Thursday I work, he parents. Friday it's a share care situation. But that changes because life happens. Shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. this means we have to communicate really well. So we have synced calendars. Vicky's on my calendar, <laughs> on my family yes, calendar. Yes, I know exactly, know exactly what's happening in your family <laughs> you know exactly at all times. exactly where my husband is, <laughs> you know, when I'm going for a haircut. Or <laughs> yeah. And that's, um, that's helpful. It is. That's how we manage it. And it's also like, mm. um, you know, you're going away. Can I help out with this? Or um, one of our staff members can't work today. Can you have the kids this morning? Yes. So it's it's flexible. That's how we school while we work is that we're flexible. But I guess the real answer to that is that we've created a business that suits homeschooling and that means working for ourselves. Absolutely. And then second to that in my situation where I don't have um, my husband here to share that um, responsibility through the week, I have surrounded myself with people who can take that role on. Mm. So I have my sister and my mum and I also have the most amazing network of friends who will willingly and lovingly take my children for the day and they will do um, unbelievable activities with them and they come home showing me all these new skills because they get to spend so much time, so much free time with these um, I just can't speak highly enough of our community mm. and what they bring to and how they enrich my children's lives I'd like to caveat that if I can is that I've, I've been here watching you through this and you've done so much mentoring of your own children of, about leaving them with people that are safe talking about to them about tricky people um, and and more to the point, building that community yourself because a lot of people say, I've got no one or mm-hmm. I couldn't do that because I've got no one. And you go, well, I'll find people and I'll make friends. And it's not even like that's an active and purposeful thing, but you are such a, if there's a problem, I'll solve it. And you're such a beautiful, gregarious person <laughs> that people love to hang out with you as well. So it it goes both ways. They wouldn't take your children Mm. or they wouldn't do that for you if you weren't a beautiful person. So I just wanted to put that in there. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it's... um it, it is such a, and it's it's so nice to reciprocate as well to have other people's children. And like everyone always says to me, because you know you have those moments where like you f- you feel like you're a burden, mm. and people say it's so much easier mm-hmm. when someone else's children are at my house because I don't have to entertain my kids. I don't have like you know everything's just easier when you've got friends over. And I would have to say the same when we've got other children at our house. They just have magical ways of playing Mm. and projects and making an almighty mess and all of those things which (laughs) are showing that they're learning and that they're creating and they're using their imagination. I think another thing I want to caveat here is that our children are now seven and nine and we've been Mm -hmm. doing this for four years and in those early days when they were two and four when we were just starting, it was difficult. And when we were realising, we were in that transition of 
do we go back to work or what could that look like and we're starting a business, this did seem like a really hard thing to get our head around. It mm. wasn't unsolvable and it was definitely something we were going to work out and it, it just changed. It changed as they grew and they got older and the business grew. I think you need to have an open mind and a problem-solving attitude and also really realising that everything's a lot harder when children are two and four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they might not be able to play on their own for long periods of time. We did yeah. a lot of work in the beginning at night um, and now we only do the odd podcast at night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When yeah. we've got deadlines that we <laughs> leave <laughs> to the last okay minute. Too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still a choice. Yeah, exactly. We could say yeah. no. We could say no to all the good things, mm-hmm. but we don't want to. <laughs> this one's a button pusher for me. Probably mm. is for you too. Yeah. How do you assess learning and how do you standardize quote unquote education, if at all? Mm. Uh, so much to say about this and I don't know <laughs> what okay. to unpack. Um, so I don't feel the need to assess learning. I, Let's go deeper with that because yeah, why? I I don't feel like you can ever fully assess what someone's learned. I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but you you can give a child an assessment And there can be a number of reasons why that assessment has not indicated what your child actually knows. Mm -hmm. That's just one surface level. It's not even surface level. Like that, I, I truly believe that assessment comes in the, it gets in the way of true learning because what children learn is that they need to pass an assessment and that the learning is secondary or it's not even something that is considered at all, and all that is important is the is the assessment. And the thing is, particularly at the age that our children are at now, that assessment doesn't mean anything. Mm-mm. No one can go back and say, what I got on my report card when I was eight years old had any bearing on their life whatsoever and who they are as an adult now no and the only thing that we hear consistently with parents is I just want to know they've tried their hardest and I want to know that they're well behaved yeah because they're the things really struggling but then I want to point out that who cares if they're really struggling and why are they struggling are they struggling because the content's boring and are they struggling because the information they're being given is developmentally inappropriate? Mm. Is it being delivered in a way that doesn't cater for their learning style? You know, is it I a don't... learning difficulty? And if it's a learning difficulty, you should be able to work that out without an assessment. Exactly. So, particularly when you're homeschooling and you're working one on one, you don't need to assess. You know, if your child's struggling to make sense of words or, or concepts or letters or you know, the, we do women in particular such a disservice by quietening our intuition. We generally know when there's something that we would like to go and find out more about our child because there's a little alarm bell there mm. and that's enough. And all we're doing then, we don't need to give them a grade on that. We need to find tools to help them with that. So yeah. giving them a grade makes them feel like shit if they don't get anything, you know, above a C. So we're just really creating this culture of I'm not good enough or I'm bad at maths or I'm bad at English when, like you said, is it the learning style? Is it the teaching style? Is it the content? You know, I've got children that are interested in fishing and fairies and I'm teaching them about 
I don't know, goblins? Yeah. Why are we standardising it? Yeah. It, that's And that's the, the exact thing about how do we standardise education. We shouldn't be. We shouldn't. Standardised education is the complete opposite of what every parent is actually wanting for their children. Mm. You know, they. I think that maybe they think that that's what they want. They want a standard education for their child. But if your child doesn't fit that standard map, then you are going to negatively impact their self-worth mm. and their ability to see beyond the grade on the paper and mm-hmm. work out the ways in which they hack the system because that's what <laughs> half of the kids do is how do I hack the system so yeah. that I can just do what I need to do so that I can get my parents or my, or my teachers off my back. Part of getting an assessment these days in high school is here's a model of an A, a C and an E and you'll get the the smarty pantses go, well, that is an A, I'll copy that recipe step by step and yep. then there's the kids that go, can't be bothered, I'm going to get a C, just do the bare minimum pass. Mm-hmm. That, you're not assessing their learning. You're assessing their ability to play the game, exactly like you said. And then are they? do they want to learn then? If this is what learning, if this is the definition of learning, I don't want to learn. I don't, I, as an adult who actually really loves learning, I mm. love, if that's what the, and that, like I was an A-grade student and I, I thought I loved school and I at one point thought I was going to be an academic and I was going to get my PhD and I was going to, just be an academic. That's what mm. I was going to do. And I realised how much I hated learning in that way. Mm, same. And hated I hated university. Being, yeah, hated Sorry. being assessed all the time. I hated being assessed. I loved going yep. to the lectures. I loved yep. picking excellent mentors' brains and collaborating with my peers. I hated doing the assessments, particularly as an English teacher who didn't get taught how to teach kids how to spell, but I could rift on about the romantic period. Absolutely useless. <laughs> yeah. And not and my I, interest at all. Yeah. And I, I think a lot about uh, when I was doing my science degree and how I missed so many opportunities to network with people and actually find out what science was in the real world because I was too busy working out how to get a, a HD, mm. how, to, how to get good grades. And it, and it took me a really long time to realise there was such a huge disconnect between me needing a grade to know if I was doing a good job and then actually like when I thought about getting a job and not having someone be able to pat me on the back and say, yep, you've got the A, Mm. like how was I going to be able to do my job properly without someone directing me and telling me what to do and putting an assignment in front of me? Like how do I work that out on my own? Yeah, and the gap between a degree and a real job is also monumental as well. Yeah. Huge. (laughs) Yeah. And I know that there's like, you know, we're probably glossing over a lot of intricacies when it comes to learning and, you know, learning difficulties and and inherent privilege and and all of that sort of thing. Mm, Absolutely. um, I just want to reiterate that for our children, like this is what I think about. This is this yeah. is the sort of thing that I have thought and and dissected in my own educational journey. These my are the reasons journey. we've chosen to homeschool is because we don't believe in assessment and we don't believe in standardised education. Yeah. So this is one of the most commonly asked questions uh, we get when we get emails. So we get emails from families that say, hi, I'm thinking about pulling my child out of school but I'm worried about blur. And it's generally socialisation how am I going to afford it um, and how am I going to get me time, which we'll cover in all of these as well. So, Vicky, 
if it's not too personal a question, how do you mm. afford to homeschool, unschool, wild school, road school? <laughs> okay. So when it comes to making choices, there are sacrifices that need to be made. Mm-hmm. And for us at this point, um, the, the initial sacrifices that had to be made were that, you know, we had to make modest choices in, you know, where we lived and, um, and, and that stems right back, you know, and, and choices that you make and, and having some financial literacy as well, I think, in um, forward planning too. Mm. So I would have to say that I'm really lucky that my husband has been super switched on when it comes to uh, and being a bit ahead of the game with with things like that. Mm-hmm. So I have been I'm really really grateful for his uh, f- forward planning and investment in his time and and money even before I met him. Mm. To be honest. So um, and then. When we made this choice, like when we initially, when I stopped working and we decided that we weren't going to put our children in care, we moved. We moved away from our family. We moved away from everything that we knew. And again, I'm really grateful for that experience because that's what made me realize that if you want something, you have to build it. Mm. And I had to do that when I moved away. I was a new mum of, of, of a baby in a new town, in a small, like, you know, regional town. And I had to reach out to the people around me. And if I had not have done that, I definitely wouldn't be on this path, sidetrack mm. on that. But we made sacrifices. And whilst we, you know, we worked in, away from home and, and we were able to sort of make up some of that income that I lost by not working, the sacrifice in doing that was having to, to start from scratch with our community and also mm. not having support for a very long time and being the one and only person that did everything mm. while my husband worked a lot. And then when we came back, again, it, it has meant sacrifice in that my husband works a lot and mm-hmm. um, and 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 has had to work in order to support the building of our business. Mm-hmm. And I chose to build a business because I still wanted to be able to contribute financially. And, but I also believe in being and doing purposeful work, which is why we have been able to build this business. So how can we afford the lifestyle? It's, it comes down to what are you willing to sacrifice? And, um, for some people that means that they do sacrifice their career. Mm -hmm. Um, it might mean sacrificing where they want to live. It might mean sacrificing, having new cars or going on expensive holidays or just in general cutting expenses but f- for for us it was it was the work sacrifice yeah yeah i think you've nailed it there as well and a thing i'd like to i guess almost touch on is you know our parents and their parents they could afford for one parent to stay at home and it wasn't an issue so yeah times have changed so that's that's the first thing is that it's not sometimes we get grandparents say, you know, well, you know, I just chose to stay at home. I was like, well, the choice was a lot easier when there wasn't a financial strain, Mm -hmm. you know, with daycare and choosing to go back to work and whatnot. But also the cost of living too. So some some families that we know have moved from the bigger cities to live more rurally to be able to afford to do it because the cost of city living is super expensive. I would say that that's not a bad thing 
because mm. I think it's really important, particularly if you're going to homeschool or unschool or any of those things, is live somewhere you, where you would holiday. I think if you can, I know there's inherent privilege in that as well, is that living where you enjoy being out and about and not feeling like you need to get away makes perhaps the sacrifice of not being able to holiday as often or to extravagant mm-hmm. places or internationally all the time um, is that you live somewhere that you love. And I think that does help. And I know that's a choice or it's not a choice for some families, but mm. Yeah, for us, uh, it looked like my husband and I both leaving our full-time, double-income, no, no kids, lovely teaching wage, uh, my husband going back to uni for a time, and then both of us starting businesses. So we were the brokers we have ever been um, when we had our second child, and that was, that was pretty tough, and that was, but that was before we decided to homeschool. So I could have quite easily have said I'll go back five days a week or, you know, even three days, four days a week teaching and we'll juggle the homeschooling. But um, I didn't want to. So Mm. we started the business and I love it. I love the lifestyle that we have. I look at what our children do every week and just they don't need international holidays a couple of times, you know, once a year, you learn a couple of times a year and they don't. The places that we get to go here on the coast are unbelievable like literally we have hills to hike like mountains to hike yeah rock pools to visit waterfalls to visit lagoons and fresh water just unbelievable here that you know I've lived here I don't know nearly 10 years and I've still not seen the half of what there is to see around here yeah we say that often don't we we've lived Mm. here how long and we you know we're still finding new places to explore so the so that's another thing that comes into it is that homeschooling doesn't need to be expensive Mm. so if you can if you can work on one wage and I I don't know lots of women in particular who are single mothers Mm. who don't earn money and they, they might actually be on um, government assistance mm-hmm. and they make it work. And the way that they do that is that they cut their costs, their living expenses where they can, and then you can choose to do uh, activities that don't cost the earth. Or There's so many free activities, yeah, so many like free homeschooling activities. For a, you can do swap, you can do service swaps, you mm. can, um, I know that at our co-op if you are involved in some way, so if you're helping out or if you're teaching a class, you get a discount on your fees Mm. so there's definitely ways around or you start the class yourself you could even be the organizer of it and get someone in and then your children get to attend for free Mm. so there's there's it's about being creative and thinking about how you can give your children the opportunities you think you need to give them but not feeling like that's going to cost you the earth because there's certainly ways around spending a lot of money um in homeschooling as a as an activity, it's like in, in having to fund that lifestyle, like the mm. homeschooling part of it, the activity side of things, because l- like there's a lot, there's a lot you could oh do. You can absolutely get FOMO for sure hmm. about missing out. Lucky and there's, you know, 18 years of classes to do. <laughs> yeah, and that's another thing is about mindset is, um, you know, I, we do see it sometimes, um, mm. parents who want to be part of everything for their children and I get it, like there's so many great opportunities um, and I think that's part of the journey as well is trialing, trying everything and then realising you don't, you're, you don't need to do that for your children. Your children don't need it. They'll tell you in the end that it's too much or mm. um 
you know, and sometimes we just have to put some boundaries in place and be like, you know what, at this point in time, you can choose two things to do per week. And it's not always, and I mean, that choice might not be a financial one anyway, and that might just be because it's hard to fit everything in. And if you've got multiple children, you're not running around the place, taking this child to this class and that child to that one. And because every family's different too. Mm. Yep. We've got families that love to have really full weeks and we've got families that we know that love to have really quiet, slow, slow weeks. And that's what I love about homeschooling is that you choose what works for yourself, your family and your children. And that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. All right. How do you plan, if at all, before trips for our road schooling? Mm. Which essentially for us is just camping, camping trips yeah. at the moment. But we both have plans to do bigger trips. Well, I think this um this ties really nicely into like if if I break it into like the smaller trip thing and the bigger trip. So we've done one larger trip in the last two years. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely loved learning about where we were going to go. And for me, that was such a beautiful learning experience, geography and, um, you know, all the history. science and, and yeah, history and all of that sort of stuff. So, so planning in terms, terms of where do we want to go, but also knowing that I, I just, I think that we're both very good at this is sort of like, eh, well, if it doesn't work out that way, <laughs> we'll change our minds. So for example, when we went, we did a, a road trip down to Tasmania and when we got in my head, I had a itinerary and my husband looked at the weather because he's so practical, um, <laughs> something I would never do. And he said, the weather's looking crap for that itinerary. Let's go this way. And it, and it was a lesson for me in surrender and being like, well, you know what, if I want to get the most out of this trip, even though this is, wasn't what it was going to be, then just, yeah, change it. Like why mm. am I, why do I feel like I'm bound in my own head by my, my itinerary that I made up in my head? <laughs> um, and just re- like reminding myself that we're free to make different choices. If it's going to rain, like if we decide that we want to go to Balumba Creek for a camping trip and then all of a sudden it's going to rain, we just go, oh, let's do it in two weeks. Because we can. Because we can. <laughs> <laughs> and, look, again, I keep saying that like other people can't. Of course they can. And, of course, they. I feel like it's just a bit more flexible um, because we're not bound to a five-day work week. Well, we're not having to arrange four different, like so in a four-person family, we're not having to arrange four different people. We're just, and because we work for ourselves. And have an amazing team. Yeah. We don't have to sort of go, okay, I've got to talk to the school and I've got to, um, you know, rearrange this and that and the other and then I've got to talk to my work and I've got to change. Like, you know, if you're working for someone, arranging leave can be really hard but when you work for yourself and you Mm. have set up your team to be able to so that they're not reliant on you to be for things to tick over, Mm. then you do have that flexibility. We worked really hard to get it that way though. It wasn't always the case. We have worked really, really hard to get the right people in our business so that we can step away. This is really probably the last year, 18 months. It's the first time we've really been able to leave, uh, have the team in place to be able to leave with that flexibility, Mm -hmm. which is incredible. So I guess that's how we plan. We plan the business to give us flexibility. Yeah. Mm. And I, I think we've done enough trips to know that you don't need a lot of stuff. No. Um, 
especially the more you've done it, the more you know what foods work, you know what meals to pack, you know, you've got uh, boxes of things already to, ready to go. So, uh, I, mean, I mean, that's still a progress process for, for both. We've both been updating some of our yeah. bits and the, pieces. The other tip I would say is uh, go with other people so that when you forget your sheets, you ask Vicky for some sheets and she has spare <laughs> sheets. Such a good tip, actually. And that is, it is about um, community camping. And even we did a wildlings camp a few weeks ago. And that was the greatest thing. Everyone sort of was like, I knew I'd forget things, but when you've got 20 other families that you're camping with, you're always going to find someone who's going to lend you a mallet so that you can put your 10 pegs in or (laughs) some shelter to sit under in the blaring sun because you couldn't fit it in your car. That's, That's the beauty of community. Mm, I don't think there's been a trip where we haven't forgotten something and we but also there hasn't been a trip that we haven't loved even the really torrentially flood like actual flooded <laughs> ones have, were great yeah yeah the clean up afterwards wasn't but that's another story <laughs> yeah and that's all part of it too yeah. um, we could just you know stay in Airbnbs but we choose to to be in nature and camping and adventure adventure and keeping it simple certainly won't forget the flood trip we're making memories <laughs> <laughs> certainly were and i don't think the kids thought it was and there was anything no. out of the ordinary in that no trip at all time. all right next question okay so how do you take care of household duties nikki this one again I think I'm just a little bit sensitive I don't know why Mm. it irks me because I know this question's being asked of everyone so there's not an assumption there's not a gender assumption here that's my my lens I've put on this Mm. (laughs) so I'm going to say how our family takes care of household duties is um it depends so early on it was I would say mostly me because Scotty was working more and I was I was at home with the kids and then as our our roles have changed and grown and our timetables have changed, sometimes it's more Scotty and sometimes it's more me. For a year or two, we hired a cleaner. We let them go a few week, few months ago because honestly, we just weren't happy with <laughs> weren't happy with the service and thought we could do it better ourselves. But I can see a cleaner coming back into our cards mm. probably next year. So I would just. Look, um, again, full honesty here. I'm not a clean freak. I live on a dirty road, a dusty road, a dirty road. Well, that just sums it up. <laughs> My house is dusty as all get out. I have two boys that pee on the seat. It's not the it's not Buckingham Palace. So probably the way I take care of household duties is our you and my Bare life minimum. attitude is that yeah, it'll get done when it gets done. Mm. And it's not to say I live in a pigsty either. So I would like to say that. It's not a pigsty. It's just not sparkling. Yeah. I think that that we are peas in a pod. Um, (laughs) Tidy but not clean. (laughs) I don't don't care about. No, me either. um, I I should reframe that. I I sometimes care about clutter and mess and I I feel like if I want to be productive at home and I'm working from home, I can't deal well with a lot of clutter. Mm. But in terms of like leaving washing in a washing basket for five days before it gets folded, that doesn't bother me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that, you know, I'm not, I'm not, that's for me that's the thing that's the that's at the bottom of the priority list so household duties mm. uh sometimes they're just the thing that 
I have to let go of in order to be able to meet my needs and all the other needs that me and my family has. So um, for me, I don't have my husband home during the week. So it is largely up to me. So I cut corners. I'll make a dinner Mm. that will last me three nights and um, I don't, I don't have to, doesn't, it's what me and two other people need. And even then, like if one of the girls don't want to eat something, they'll make their own dinner. Mm. So I've empowered them to be able to make their own choices if they don't like it the way that I'm doing things. Mm-hmm. I encourage them to help out with household duties where where they where they can and where I feel it's practical. And yeah. uh, my husband that's does really important as part of this. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the whole thing. The family takes care of household duties. Our kids yeah. have not chores, but they they participate in keeping their house livable. That's what they do. So our kids, you know, Scotty does the washing. I sort it and then everyone puts their own away or not. Yeah. I don't care. It's your cupboards as long as they're not on the floor in the basket at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think also, look, if you'd asked me this a year ago, I'd probably would have had a different answer. Um, I've spent a really long time moving my house around and decluttering yeah. and minimalizing things because the more things we had, the messier it got. The clutter so, was annoying you, hey? Mm-hmm. And so uh, it took us a long time to, I'm going to say, renovate some bedrooms. Mm. Um, and for a long time the girls were in a bedroom together and it just wasn't enough room for all of their things. And now that I have finally sorted them out, the, the house just got bigger mm. and the mess went away essentially. And for them to clean up their mess, like I used to, I, it was, it was a, such a struggle for them to clean their room and it was like I couldn't walk in their room because there was so much, and that just hasn't happened anymore. So mm. it took some time. Like everything takes time to get it to a point where it's it it works. Like you found a system to minimise the issues. <laughs> yeah, because I think that's the difference, isn't it? When you've got all your kids are at school for the majority of the day, there's less hurricane-ness. Mm. So making sure that there's absolutely 100% a place for everything and everything has its place, then and then they know and the kids know where that place is, that that eliminates most of the problems. Yeah, and yeah. I know that it's worked for a, a lot of people, you know, to have dedicated crafting areas where it doesn't matter if everything's left out. Mm. You know, you don't. It's not in your eyesight to have it out, and they can access it, and you're not hindering their creativity or their their need to make something or to sprawl their things out and it's just about being strategic and planning and having conversations and knowing that you might not be there now um, but you can get there over time when you start to work things out and sometimes and you sometimes just need a little bit of time and space to to clarify what that needs to look like. Mm. Um, and sometimes it's getting your ducks in a row, like painting walls first before you can even think about <laughs> putting a desk in their room or whatever it is. It's what happened to me. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the household duties don't seem so much. Yeah, and I think that's it as well. For, for us, for our sanity, it's the kitchen and living room are a family space, so you can't just clutter it up. If you've got projects you want to work on, they go in your bedroom or outside in your play area. The kitchen gets cleaned every night. Whoever's cooked dinner cleans the kitchen and the boys about maybe once a week, realistically once every two weeks we go through and have a tidy up. 
Yeah. For others, I don't make them tidy their room every day because they've got Lego projects and craft projects and it'd be really, no, it's it's their space and they should be able to use it how they want it and I don't want to stop their play as well. And then well, their creative be- flow. That's right. Just because I'm done with their untidiness doesn't mean that they're finished with their project. Yeah, and that's a conversation too because sometimes they are finished. And sometimes they're not. And so you don't know that until you've had the conversation, until they've actually, you know, and sometimes they think they're not finished and four days later they realise they're not going back to it. But that's okay. Um, And it's a letting go of our expectations. Again, that's just reframing the way that we look at it. Um, And I don't think that our household duties have changed at all. And I I sometimes think that about like two working parents and kids at school I don't know when they do it. Would it would be in the same boat as us. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Our household duties have changed as I've gone back to more work with the kids. But that's mm. really it. But um, but that just means Scotty's take on more, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, it just ebbs and flows. Like, mm. you know, life just is changes all the time. Yeah. Um, I'd, love, I'd love to hear your uh, answer to this one here. Tell us the story of a time you knew you made the right choice to homeschool. Okay. Unschooling in particular, I think, was Harper, and I know I've told this story before, but Harper learning to read from the Australian Bird Guide (laughs) because he was interested in letters but he didn't really want to read and he wasn't interested in being taught at all and I was absolutely okay with that. And then all of a sudden we were getting some magpies and some um, honey eaters and some miners and he wanted to find the picture of the magpie in the book and it went from there and he taught himself to read and, and as an English teacher that was my holy shit what have I been doing what have I been taught mm-hmm. I was taught that children had to be taught to read or they would never read that that's mm. the messaging that you get from uni and teaching in English and when I saw that in front of my eyes, and that was one of the most important things for me other than, you know, social skills was literacy because I think that, un, you know, that unlocks the world to you and hopefully makes you a more open-minded person. Mm. I thought, well, what else do we need school for? If they can read whatever they need to read, where if they want to find it, what else do I need it for? And I went, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, I love coming to your house and seeing Harper smashing through another book. <laughs> I love today book. his little bestie was so excited to come down to the forest, but then he realised that his mum had got a book from, like picked up a book in the mail on the post on the way to forest school and he made his mum go back to the car, get the book, and he sat and read in the forest. I was like, oh, what a great place to read. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Um, I've been thinking a little bit about, uh, so Ellie's also taught herself to read uh, and happy reads and, and Macy's been a little bit more reluctant mm, however I got her I was sat her down the other day and I was like no I want you to give it a go just just I was just curious she can read <laughs> she just doesn't want to and so you'd be surprised how those moments happen all the time but my story about I have I have my I have moments regularly regularly mm. where I know I have made the right choice to homeschool and I'm talking if not daily, multiple times a day. Yeah, um, oh, def- and definitely weekly, mainly on our Monday adventure days. Yes. <laughs> so um, I have a very clear memory of being at our co-op of one of the first terms we were there and it was uh, I, I was actually ho- 
running a class, a wildlings class for one of the sessions. And in the end, they had the mud kitchen out. And I watched this play unfold. It was like being in a utopian society. Like these (laughs) children created this game and this amazing little world and they were making things and they were trading and they were cooperating and there was no barrier to age or gender or anything. There was no barrier. And Mm. they all just, these children that had never played together before were like getting along and I wouldn't say that they were, it was brilliant. It was just I watched these children. I had never seen children play like that before. Mm. And I remember thinking if anyone ever asks me about am I worried about children socialising in their homeschool, yeah. they need to just come and see. They need to. I think if that's they the thing, though, isn't it? They would just know that this is such a legitimate and it's not only it's a legitimate, it is the most natural way for children to be. Nailed it. That's the quote of this podcast. It the, the unschooling and the wild schooling is exactly that. It's the most natural way to be. And I, in that moment, was so grateful to every single one of the parents that were there, the parents who had made conscious choices to break cycles, to treat their children with respect, to treat my children with respect. To believe in themselves as well. Yeah. and To come out of a system where you don't believe you've learned enough to teach your own child, that's mm-hmm. that's a red flag to me. Yeah. And ever since that, that has one of been one of my key ones in, in terms of social development and I, I have moments just there are there is so many examples across every spectrum of concern or worry that you could ever have about mm. your child and i have seen multiple examples of families and of individual children who prove that this is it's it just works it's just such a great lifestyle and it is and it just is a way for children to truly be who they are. Yeah. And they're not missing out on anything. And I think for families too, I think at some point we all wondered if we could do it. And I think, like you said, if people could just come to a co-op or come to our forest school and meet some of the parents and realise how much freedom they have within their week. Um, you know, the most common question people get not common question so the most common what am I trying to say regret that's the word I'm looking for the most common regret people have on their deathbed is not spending enough time with their children and I'm not saying that we spend 24 7 and I don't think that's healthy in itself but because while we may be activity at activities we're not by their side but they're amongst this village and if they've got a Mm -hmm. question they might ask you know, we've got someone teaching felting tomorrow and someone teaching knot tying and someone, and there's all these amazing, amazing mentors that are showing children that they don't just have to go to university to be successful and happy. And they're being taught these skills that they might not or very likely won't have. We've got jewellery making. We've got Mm. some of the things that we've been taught. I'm like, gosh, I wish I had learnt that at school. Yeah. And, and they get access to these people that are really respectful 
super respectful yeah. as well. And I love being able to show my awe and appreciation for people's skill set mm. that isn't like a career. Mm-hmm. That it's just, you know, we've got people, all the different business owners, um, you know, the people that start, the, the, that stand up at the co-ops and, and will make up a song and, yeah. you know, uh, you know, this parent has contributed, um, you know, have, have created our own acknowledgement of country and, you know, like everyone's contributed to our community in some way. Like the performance, um, yeah, the photographers and the photographer that was people the photographer that were, was were editing yeah. um, posters and. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and there's just such a breadth of of contribution mm. and no one's immune from it like everyone contributes in some way even if it's just going to get you know if someone's hurt they're the ones that you know hold us all up when when you know we're in crisis or there's just so many different ways or you know putting up the the marquees or it's seeing community in action yeah regularly regularly and different communities it's it's the homeschool community but we see different people from that community different days and but I think that's the other thing I think people feel like they have to find their two or three buddies to make homeschooling work but I think the longer you do it the more you realize that we're one great big web Mm. and your children will dab into the web and they'll meet people maybe in year whatever the equivalent of year one would be, and then five years later they'll meet them at something else. And so there's this huge, beautiful community. And I know mm. you get a community in school too. It just feels like it's it's more diverse because it's not just location-specific. And I know we yeah. get through that through sport as well, but it's, it is really diverse and I, I really love that. Yeah. What do you think then, Nikki, are some of the benefits? Go on forever. We've talked about a few or drawbacks of schooling in this way. Okay, I feel like we've covered benefits. We've we've mm. raved and raved about it. So drawbacks. Oh look, I'm trying to be really realistic, but I I love it. <laughs> I was just gonna say, if you can hear um, the passion in the like, we so just believe in this so strongly. Mm. I want people to also know that this is because. Every day when we show up and this is the way we live our life, when we can't think of many drawbacks, there's a reason for that. Mm. Um, And I know that there's a lot of privilege and, and, and stuff like that, but it really is such a great choice. Yeah. Uh, and like you say, I was thinking too, I was like, oh, gosh, what what drawbacks? Like, I really thought something honest? was going to come to me. I really did think I was yeah, going to be like, same. yeah, this is, I'm like, well, no, it's not. Probably maybe the driving. But I, yeah. I make sure my weeks aren't, like my activities are fairly close this term and I share it with Scotty and I choose not to fill my weeks up. So that, that's not even what? true. <laughs> but do you know what? Because I know a lot of people are like, you know, don't like to drive. I drive, I do a lot. I probably do a lot more driving you probably than most do them, people. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I'm talking minimum half an hour, most times 40 minutes, most days. Mm. Um, we love it. We like actually um, when you listen to Brene Brown's podcasts and she says to her guests, what's an average day in your life like that you think about that you love? I can't remember the, how she words the question. 
my moments are always in the car with my girls, Mm. always. And they are always these snippets of us raging out to a song and, you know, I look out the window and it could be something to do with the weather or the fact that I drive past even on the highway, like beautiful trees and it's like presence for me in the car. Mm. It's like that one time where I feel like I'm really, really present with them. Mm. Although half the time my, my brain's probably not present, but I have these <laughs> moments of presence with them and I we're always going somewhere amazing. So it's like we we listen to an audio book or we've got Spotify playing or if I'm by myself, I've got a podcast playing and that's valuable time to me. Mm. So even those things which can be negative are actually not negative for me. No. My, my actually now thought about it is probably I wish my closer, my family were closer, my South Australian family, mm. but I wouldn't, I don't want to move back because I, yeah. I just love, love, love where we live. So that's just not an option. So, mm. and you know, pre-COVID that wasn't an issue. We saw each other enough. We were able to see each other. So that drawback will go away. And that's not a homeschooling drawback. That was a choice of location anyway. So I would say there aren't any. I would say everything yeah, is solvable, honestly. any issues are solvable, yeah. things change. If you really hate it, you can go back to school. That's the other thing. There's no end date for this. Yeah. Look, you don't have okay. To see it I, out. I thought I've thought of one. Oh, what um, is it? It's that I I sometimes find it a little bit hard, not always, it's just in these little moments, finding it hard to um show up to commitments that I have and then also look after the girls' needs or find them care mm. um, and and finding balanced care, so making sure that they're not always going to one person or I'm relying too heavily on one person. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's sometimes a difficult juggle. But it's a the, mental the, load, isn't it? Yeah, it's a mental load of always having to think I've got to get, I've got to organise someone to look after them on those days when I have commitments, mm-hmm. um, whereas I could just be sending them to school. But even then, if I sent them to school, I probably would still need to organise some sort of care before or after school. Yeah, and that, I think that's the thing, isn't it? I was about to say the worst thing I can think of is having to pack lunches for all-day trips, like big adventure days. Yeah. I've got to take a big picnic basket. I'm like, who am I kidding? I have to pack lunches for school anyway or if I was dropping yeah. them off at Nana's. It's, yep. Yeah. So, so nothing, the answer yeah, is. Yeah, so the, the negatives <laughs> are actually something that, are, you know, are not even, it's not all the time, it's just in tiny little moments and not solved by sending them to school. Yeah, I would say give it time. Give it time, yeah. find your village and, and don't assume that you're going to find your village in the first term. It'll take time to no. find your village within the village or your village within the activities that you choose. And I would say about finding your village too is that you can't rely on the village to see you two or three times and expect to have open arms and invitations to everywhere. You have to work at it. You have to show up because the thing with homeschooling is that there are lots of people, like I, there are so many people that we know and that I love but if I actually went out of my way to invite all of those people and I could just, you just wouldn't, it wouldn't, it's not going to happen. No. So if you're waiting for people to invite you places all the time, then you are going to find community hard. So you have to show up. Yeah. And don't be scared to say, hey, do you mind if I tag along? Because I don't yeah. know anyone that would say no. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Not, All you, you really can do, do is ask. And you, 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 and also ask, but then also be okay because um, I think it's also valid for some groups to be like, you know what, we've got a good thing going mm. and the dynamics are really great at the moment and um, we'd love to have you come along maybe something else, but, you know, like trying yeah. not to take it too personally because, you know, um, it, 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 it won't always be about you. No, and I would say that it's it's not. It's yeah. not ever about you. It's about we have a really peaceful, great thing going right now and we don't want to disturb it because it's the one unstable thing. <laughs> yeah, and we've had trouble in the past and at the moment we've got peace. Mm. So um, to not take those sorts of things personally and, you know, to, to, to be like that, okay, I totally understand that. Is there a way that we can still, is there other things that you do? that I could, you know, tag along with. Might not be your adventure day, but maybe it's something else. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever it is, just as an example. Just I just want people to know that it's that sort of mindset too and and being highly sensitive will make it more difficult for you. And the stories you tell yourself. So don't let it be high school. Yeah. The stories you tell yourself will, you know, you'll you'll start feeling like, (laughs) yeah, high school. And that's mm. not what most of people are about. And also people are busy, you know. Yeah. If they're not catching up with you, it might, again, it might not be personal. It's just that they've got a lot going on and sometimes it can be really hard to then fit in another play date. Mm. So so build it yourself. There's a mm. friend I saw today at Forest School that's just started homeschooling and she's like, my kid loves to go to the rock pools. I'm not a marine biologist. I know Vicky's busy. I'm going to start a rock pool group. It's like, that's amazing. That's mm. so good. That, and that's they'll meet like-minded families and that will be a regular thing. So build it. Build it and they'll come. Yeah. And then if I feel like I'm missing out, I'll just come anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's what happens. Sometimes totally. it's like, you know what, I don't want to do that right now. Hang on a minute. That's well, actually, more than you, you don't know, want to organise it. Yeah. It's like your plate's full but I'll come. Like, but I'll come, same. yeah. Like so, yeah. you know, just be really open to the, the different dynamics that can be in place. Mm. Um, okay, next one, really quickly, I know we've pretty much covered this, so I'd like to just put this one away about the lack of socialisation. <laughs> so school, in, in school, children are segregate, segregated by sometimes gender, sometimes and mm. by age definitely, uh, and no other place in the world as soon as they leave school is that the way that life is done. So straight away I would say that homeschool children socialise with people of all genders and all ages, and they're actually really so well socialised with talking to adults as well, which is not as common in school children because of that whole authoritarianism as well. So mm. I would say that we're very embedded in our communities. We know our our butcher's name. We, you know, we yeah. participate in soccer and all the things that school kids do as well. Uh, just it's, I think this comes from that really old school notion of the 1800s when you know, homeschooling was very religious and could be quite isolated and isolating, and that's not yeah, the case anymore. Not the case. Mm. Uh, and I would, I would actually say I haven't had a lot of criticism or people asking about that. I'm pretty. No. Uh, the first thing I always say is my kids spend more time out with people than they do at home, mm. and to remember that homeschooling doesn't mean that you're at homeschooling. Um, yeah. Or often, most of the time, not at homeschooling. So that that's important, and also a lot of conversations that you'll have with teens 
and tweens, when they're going through awkward stages, when they're having problems with their friends or lack of friends, the common advice is don't worry, once you leave school, you'll find your people, <laughs> oh. right? So if if school's the be-all and end-all for socialisation, this is not the kind of thing that we would be telling young people. Just mm. wait till you're in the real world because then you actually get to find people who will open your world up to, to, to who you, allow you to be you so that you belong because mm. you don't obviously belong at your at your place of education right now or your the place you spend five days a day yeah yeah, six hours a day um and whilst plenty of children and teens do find that um they would find that in the real world too so it's Mm. not like that's the place where it happens it's often the place where that causes a lot of pain Mm. for people Oh, the last um, school I taught at, they were even segregated at lunch. So there were, you know, yeah. 300 year sevens in one section of the school and 300 year eights in the other. And you can imagine the chaos that ensued with that. Yeah. Like and a lot of schools are having problem day. with um, pro, um, the lack of pro social behaviour in the schoolyard at mm. lunch times. Mm-hmm. It's hard so when there's I, no mentors. There's no, you know, year yeah. 12s to tell a kid to pull the head in in a gentle and kind and respectful way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they're just kind of left on their own. Yes, there's teachers there on duty, but they're often very busy sorting out, putting out and spot again, fires. Just to caveat, if your children go to school and it's not like that, we know that. Mm. We know not all. We're generalising, right? And we're teachers. Our we've own, been there. Yeah, we've been like this is our own experience is what we have observed. Um, I've obviously observed the opposite to a lot of what we're talking about, but it does. That's not often what lot of children are experiencing so I'm glad that some children don't experience what we're talking about but there are plenty that do and just you know um if you're feeling moments of defensiveness about some of the stuff that we're saying um I get that mm. because I yeah I probably would have felt the same way before I had children too um yeah. I'd like to I add there to though school. also out of interest that there are a lot of teachers that have pulled their children out to homeschool and that's not mm. because they feel like they can teach them. It's because once they've had kids, they've realised that perhaps it might not be the best way for their child to learn or the best system for their child mm. to learn. So it's the old other teachers are the canary in the coal mines but no one's really listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I, yeah, I want to acknowledge that there are different experiences within this spectrum Mm. um, and that we're trying to, I'd like to think that we've really sold homeschooling for what it is and not bash schools Mm. Um, because that's not my intention, um, but your impact doesn't always equal your intention. So Yeah, and again, I want to butt in there too and also say that there is pro-school media everywhere. You know, schools mm. are great. We hear about kids going to school from, you know, as soon as they turn three, what school are you going to? When do you go to school? Hey, are you going to school soon? We're just here to provide another viewpoint mm. because it can be really isolating when, for example, you put your child into prep and then your child regresses, um, is showing signs of school refusal, is really upset yeah. or is, you know, suddenly getting behaviour warnings um, or coming home and having complete and utter meltdowns and there's no one to talk to about it because everyone's pro-school. So Yeah, not you're not getting validated this, in that experience. Yeah, we're here to validate yep. that some people have those experiences as well. And, and that's why I guess we push so, like that's why we get really 
passionate about it because we've seen so many people benefit from it. And, and you don't need to be scared. Yeah. There's a beautiful um, community that will help you with any questions that you have. Yeah. Absolutely. We're you here as it. well. Yeah. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it. Okay. All right. Well, this is a good one. I'd like mm. to hear your answer to this one. Mm. Can you share what growth you see or have seen in your children because of our schooling method? Well, I'm going to change that because I don't like the word schooling because we don't school. We ed- we educate. We don't we don't educate in the way our children learn. learn. No, in the way our children live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so much reframing and it's so much language is important. It is. Yes. Important. Schooling it's important. is different to education. Yeah. I I think that the growth I have seen is not comparable because my children have never been anywhere <laughs> that's else. That's a really good point. So that's hard. <laughs> but I do sometimes hear people say, wow, your child has very good body awareness. Mm. Your child is very um, caring and inclusive. Mm. And my child hasn't experienced many other children like that before. Mm. And that's not just my children. That's a lot. Um, that might be someone who's come into our community and and witnessed multiple children experience, like with those sorts of things. Yeah, we've had multiple parents come down that have taken their children out of school and then come down to forest school and their mm-hmm. children have commented, oh, the kids are different here. They're really respectful. They're really Again, kind. this is not school bashing. This is just an observed. Absolute, yeah. Yeah. From one child. Or two children. Yes. <laughs> so all I all I can say is that my children are thriving. Mm. They are I what I love to watch in them is not oh they can read. I mean it's a relief, but it's not <laughs> I'm not I'm not ticking those boxes. Mm. I'm ticking boxes like okay, for, so for example, um my daughter had an an issue this evening at a class where she perceived some other children teasing her during the dance class mm. and we would we did lots of discussion on the way home and one of the things she said she goes mum I could say and I would have said I just really wish she wasn't at that at that dance class but really what I really wish is that she just didn't tease me mm. and I thought that is such a wise thing to say because how quick are we to just wish that they that's the the bad thing didn't exist mm-hmm. and reframe that as I just wish that someone made a different choice. You know, it's hilarious. We had the exact same conversation. Was that, Did you really? I'm really sad this happened today, you know, for you guys. I'm really glad we can learn from it and we can learn about how to be a good friend and like social cues about, you know, yeah. what Again, like you said before about intent not equaling impact and, you know, whispering, looking like you're whispering and pointing, you might not be talking about someone, but that's that's the impact of it. So yeah. we had some really beautiful conversations. Yes, it's that sort of growth. It's it's the little wise ways that they see the world and see themselves mm. and that's the sort of growth that I I would cherish and know that we've made a good choice. Yeah. Mine is definitely that. Mine's a social emotional. That's that's a, the main reason mm. I'm homeschooling is is 
as a high school teacher witnessing the ridiculously, not ridiculous, the horrific mental health epidemic that's ripping through our high schools and not much being done about it. Mm. Um, I just realised that's not where I wanted my teenagers and trying to give them those skills now I think will make all the difference. Well, I hope, you know, I know there's things outside of our control, of course, Um, but they're physical, they're physical development. Mm. There's all sorts of research about how Australian children are obese and more uncoordinated, have poor core muscles and strength and agility and all those things. And like you said, I see our children strong and fit and healthy and making lovely choices in regards to their food. Um, I just love seeing kids be able to be kids and not have to sit down for six hours a day. That, yeah. that makes my heart sing because that's health. <laughs> Yeah. And Mm. watching them traverse over uneven ground and scale up the side of waterfalls and just be so confident in their bodies. Mm. Um, And because they have that opportunity to do that, um, you know, I observe keenly um, the general public and how they talk to their children when we're in these environments. And Mm. I observed a family recently who wouldn't let their children go anywhere or try anything when they were on a hike. And, um, like, I, I understand that, that where that's come from and, and it comes from a place of love and but it's a fear-based because way of being. they haven't seen their children, haven't been able to see yeah. their children do those things. Because we're worried about them injuring themselves. But what, you're, but what you'll often also see is that those children don't know how to handle themselves in tricky physical situations either, mm. which is not ideal, but we don't see the risk in that or yeah. how, that, how that can be really disadvantaged, that can really disadvantage children. So, um, yeah, I, I guess because I'm tuned into it, I, I do notice it quite a fair bit. Or um, the feedback from other parents saying since coming to your programs in particular, my child is not falling over as much. I've actually yeah. had a homeschooling family with with older girls say to me, um, my child's not falling over as much. She's not bumping into it. She's not injuring herself. Yeah. As, like she's very clumsy and that's not happening as much anymore because we're spending more time outside. Mm. So that's what, I like that's that the kind sort of, of maths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was it's keen observation that um, uh, nature equals health and happiness. And no, yes. it's not such a simple equation. I can't make life that simple. But no. when something's free and fairly accessible, and again, there's inherent privilege in that, then why not use it if you can? Yeah. yeah. Um, right. you, what do Last your kids question. say about mm. unschooling or wild schooling and road schooling? I think one of the quotes that resonates with me the most is we were on our way, I think, to Cardi's for a rock pool day in the beach on a just a perfect, perfect bluebird spring day and we drove past the school and my eldest looked through the window and said, will those school kids get to go to the beach? <laughs> <laughs> and actually, you know, my heart broke for those yeah. kids at that time because I vividly remember sitting in classroom on those bluebird days bored to tears in a lesson and again I was a student that loved school so for me to be bored to tears it had to be really really dry and boring and going oh god I wish we could just 
just take mm. this outside or I, I wish I didn't have to be here right now at this minute. I wish we could just do school in the rain or just do school when it's 40 degrees. Mm. And I wish that for our children. I, I wish that they could go out and enjoy nature and be with their families and enjoy the world a bit more. Yeah, me too. Um, I think well, so, my kids. Yeah, oh, sorry. sorry so what do your kids say about it? Um it's the only thing they know. Yeah. And I I know that they are very happy that we've made the decision that we've made. Mm. And they will often make comments. I think it's more like, is it a school day, Mum? And I'll say, yeah, it is. Like so that so they 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 won't be able to go swimming now, will they? Yeah. Like, they're really aware that um the world is sort of theirs and and our little communities. Mm. I do when get that. When yeah. do school holidays finish? It's really busy here. <laughs> yeah. I think they notice. Um, yeah. There's, yeah, it's, there's a lot of more people here today. Why can't we get a car park? Yeah. Um, Look, I so think. I, sorry, yeah. you go. No, I was just going to say, I, I, I know that it may not be something that we verbalise a lot, but they absolutely love that they can see all of their friends and when they see their friends it's because we're playing or we're doing something exciting or their yeah. family whenever we want not I just think on if we were more isolated and they you know we were distance eating on a station in the middle of you know central australia and we couldn't see our friends regularly friends. I think that that school would have much more of an appeal, but because Absolutely. they are so socialised and they see so many different groups, um, you know, on a day to day basis, they're not sure what that you know they're not buying the snake oil. <laughs> mm. Yeah, 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 and I think it is important to remember that we have a very big community where we are of yeah. homeschoolers. So I understand that our situation would be completely different if we were in a small regional town who had less people who were homeschooling. I'd um, still do and, it. But, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's not a, that's not, don't do it. I'm just saying that, yeah, um, comparing our experience to that might might be slightly different. Yeah, and don't um, get FOMO because of that. You no. Know, you, you'll have your own amazing things in your own spaces. It's so place-based. And then there's plenty of people that don't have, um, you know, and it will depend on your kids, how social your children are as well, but, you know, sometimes their, their buddies, all they need is their sister or brother. Yeah, or their, like their grandparents as well. And my yeah. kids love their grandparent days. Yeah. That's where my kids neighbors. get all their maths is baking with Nana and <laughs> working in the workshop with Poppy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, counting their pocket money that Nana's <laughs> given them to clean their room. So good. Yeah. Uh, awesome. All right, I think that's done it for today. I think it's long. I feel like we've answered all those questions. If you've got any more questions about homeschooling, add them to the um, post on Facebook or Instagram or tag and share them or DM us on our socials. But um, before we end, we did want to remind you that we have dropped our mini intro to homeschooling course on our website at wildlingsforestschool.com. So this course is, we created it for those of you who are thinking about homeschooling but are yet to take the leap and and maybe a bit worried about taking the leap. So you might be worried about how to do all the paperwork legally, 
maybe you're feeling really anxious about dealing with your current school or if your child's got additional needs, how you'll handle that at home with the learning. Maybe you've got a partner who isn't too keen on homeschooling. Maybe you've got friends and family you're concerned about uh, who are concerned about your child falling behind or perhaps you're worried about juggling finances. And I know we've covered a lot of those, but it's a much more in-depth course Uh, It's filled with resources and we've actually also then segmented downloadables for each state on exactly how to register and also how to do a homeschool plan for the states that require it. And then in addition addition to that, we've also got a very specific course on unschooling and wild schooling as Mm. separate um, philosophies as well. So if you're looking to delve into those a little bit more, they might be for you. And as always, we love doing this journey with you. So until next time, stay wild. Stay wild. wild. <laughs>